welcome you to Doxodeo Hatfield, a multi-ethnic family on mission, passionate about Jesus, passionate about community, and passionate about serving the city of Chwaneka. to win some friends and uh, to mingle. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mother Lisi. So, um, praise the Lord for air conditioning. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's one of the things that you need to know about me that you don't really want to know is that I get warm quite quickly and overheat and everything. So, I'm so glad that we could cool it down a little bit. It's mostly for me that we're doing it. But um, while we were worshiping, I had my one eye on the Lord and the other one on the traffic light, and I saw the power come on, and I thought, yeah, let's, let's have some air conditioning. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, a quick introduction, because I think many of you guys uh, wouldn't know me, and um, I came to Doxado as part of the Doxado team as a worship pastor in 1998. Who of you were not born yet in 98? Okay, hallelujah. Okay, this side of the... Okay, Taiki, put down your hand, old man. All right. 98. Um, I joined the team as me and my wife as part of the third campus of Doxadeo. So we only had the Doxadeo family. By the way, if you don't know that, the idea of a campus means that we function as one body of Christ, one church in the city where we are. And the campuses are just an extension of that, um, that leadership team so that we can be local and global at the same time. That's something of the, of the dream that we have. And uh, we started off there in 98 in the northern parts of our city. So we still live out there. Um, you can be glad that I put on shoes. I asked Joe if I could wear shorts this morning when he said something about load shedding. So I forced myself into something decent for you. We don't look like this up in the north. Yeah, in the north, we don't uh, look like this. <laughs> look more like Taiki. So um, <laughs> uh, the fact is, we still lived out to that part of the city. And our family, our family, this story, the Doxado family, has grown to have planted campus number 33 uh, at the end of last year. So we are quite excited. Number 34 is happening in Durban. And, um, and many things, uh, yeah, yeah. So now, if you know, if you know this, it's an old ad, uh, 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 movie joke. We, uh, now we have some Durban hunachis in, in the Doxado family, <laughs> if you know the joke. Okay. So... Um, this family is not just a church movement. It started off as a church, but God has taken us on to a journey where we are discovering the kingdom of God in education as well. So we run a couple of private schools, preschools. We're also in partnership with schools. We have youth coaches in schools. So when you look at the words doxadeo, the glory of God, that reflects the deepest desire that we have, that the knowledge of our God will flood this city. And that it will happen through church, 
through education, that it will happen through business, non-profit entities, and so on. I don't want to bore you with the details, but recently, a new development in the last couple of years for us is that God has brought leaders, literally, if you, if you can just wrap your mind around this, over 39 nations, leaders from 39 different nations, are a part of our equipping and training program, not just pastors, but also principals of schools, um, business leaders, and so on. And uh, we are quite excited that we can be part of something huge, but it can be very personal and loving, like you experienced just a minute or two ago. So when we talk about our theme, love, the problem with that word is that our expectation You know, if you say, I experience the love of God, what is the picture in your mind? What does it mean that God loves me? If I understand that Jesus said we must love one another, it's it's one thing if you say that I must love my father and my mother and love my wife, but if you say I must love my brother, I've got four brothers. If you say I must love my brother, that's a different story. Okay, how do you love a brother? You don't hug a brother and say, you know, the love of God is in me and I love you. He's going to give you an elbow where you don't want it. So how do you love? How do you, how do you express? How do you understand? Would you give me a couple of minutes to think about your life, to think about how you are functioning on a Monday and a Tuesday, and let's allow the Word of God to speak into how we function and how we operate. Because I use the same word for my bull terrier and for my mother-in-law, and it's, it's not the same thing, or is it? Um, no, it's not, it's not the same thing. <laughs> okay, by the way, she loves me just as I, as I am. In the north, we say just as I is. Okay, so the disciple called John was probably about 17 or 18 years old when he started following Jesus. And John wrote about something that he experienced of how Jesus, probably in his early 30s, expressed the love of God and how a young man discovered something that became the anchor of his life. So in 1 John 1, he says, I'm writing these things to you. And this is where you and I come in. We, we recognize that he was about 90 years old when he wrote these words. So now he's not talking to anybody who has physically been with Jesus. He's just talking to people like me and you who by faith have come to know Jesus. And he says, I am writing these things to you that just as I have experienced his love, as I have seen it with my own eyes, I've touched, I've seen and experienced, I've heard with my own ears. I know that you can have the exact same intensity of the experience of God's love that we as the physical disciples had. You guys can have it as spiritual disciples. So when we continue then, and I want to show it to you on the screen in 1 John chapter 4, he's saying the following. He's saying, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So let me stop there for a minute because over the last couple of weeks across the Doxado family, we've been going through the same material together. And the first understanding that you and I need to get is that our God expresses himself 
as a loving force. He expresses himself as a loving force. And many people say, I want to know God. And then they basically mean, I want to learn more about him. I want to have more knowledge about him. But there's something about the word love that puts the word experience or the expectation that we don't just know God cognitively, but that we can experience him. So that's why I'm talking to you about your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday. I want to know, are you on a daily basis experiencing that your God is love, that God loves you? And in a minute from now, I'll get to one of the definitions of what I've discovered in the Bible that I believe is the first word about love. It helps us to put our expectation in the right place. So we'll get there a little bit later. But I was surprised about John saying that if you then, if you then begin to release the love of God to other people on this planet, your knowledge of God will grow. Actually, it will be so intense that it will, it will reposition you, that the, the departure point of your existence becomes God. It's crazy that, that you know, people say, I want to love God, then they, then they sometimes want to go on mission trips and want to go and change the world on the other side of the world. But I want to encourage you that this disciple, after decades of following Jesus physically and spiritually by faith, is saying that there's something about knowing God in how we work with love, how we experience and how we give and I want to, and I'm 54 now, and I want to tell you guys that what I have learned over the span of my life is the biggest privilege on this planet is to receive and to give love. It's the biggest privilege. You cannot find anything that's more important that, that you will treasure more in your life. And there's a lot of young people here, and I hope that you will listen to a semi-old man, and, um, and may you also discover it. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Okay, now, this is a critical moment. I want you to think about what I call the first word. It's almost like opening a door into a new room, and as you go into that room, the first thing that you see, if that room is the love of God, what's the first thing that you see? And this may come as a little bit of a surprise, but give me a minute or two to just delve into the scripture and show you how I think the first thing about the love of God is the word benefit, benefit. Now, you're sitting there and saying, John, where, where, where are you coming from? Let's go to John 3, verse 16, because you know John 3, verse 16. It says, God so, help me, loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that everyone who believes in him, and immediately John starts listing the benefits of the love of God. Come on. He says, so that those who believe in him will not perish, will have everlasting life. And in verse 17, I did not send my son to condemn. I sent my son so that the world can be saved through him. So the very first thing, if you think about the love of God, God is asking, how can I bring godly benefit to your life? Just give me a minute. Let's work through this. 
Let's just work through this. Because now if the Bible says that we must love God with all our hearts, um, mind, strength, and soul, and we must love one another, and we must love ourselves, then immediately if you put that flavor onto the word love, it becomes practical. It says, okay, everyone here, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, when he talks about a husband-wife relationship, he says, a husband must take care of his wife just like he takes care of his own body. Because you don't intentionally do something that will destroy your own body. You bring in every decision that we make, you want the benefit of your life to, to grow and to go to new levels. So now flip it around and say, okay, if I am expected to love my brother, like I said, I've got a couple of brothers. It's not hugging and, you know, giving them a lack of soft kiss here on the cheek. That's not how you love a brother. How you love a brother is to bring the benefit of what God has poured out over my life to ask, Lord, how can I be a benefit in that person's life? I'll, I'll share a story with you. This is, by the way, is any married couples here? Wave at me, please. Married couples. Okay. Yay. Some are excited. <laughs> There's something um, called the love languages. And I, I just want to know why do opposites attract? The longer that we are married, 30 years, me and Viliana, and uh, <laughs> the more I discover how different she is to me. And, uh, and my first, uh, my strongest love language is, is to, to love somebody with physical touch. To hold her is the greatest joy of my life. Her number one is acts of service. And that confuses me, okay? How on earth can a woman feel loved if I fixed a cupboard in the kitchen? I don't get the correlation. I don't get the correlation. And until I discovered this, every single day of our marriage, I ask her the following question. Is there something that I can help you with today? You see, the love of God is a powerful force and it's practical. And now John says, when you love, you experience God and you know God. There's something about our creator that becomes practical in our lives. It's becoming a way of life that we are inviting Doxodeo into. And if you continue to read with me then in, uh, on the next slide in verse 9, it says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Can you see the benefit? Can you see it? Hello? Can you see it? He positioned himself as a blessing in our lives so that we will live and flourish. And maybe now you understand why John then flips the coin in the next verse when he says, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. He's invisible. But if we love one another, he becomes visible. That's the newest translation. God lives in us and his love will be made complete in us. You know, people want to grow to spiritual maturity 
And we want to have the power of God in our lives. When I pray, mountains must move. And there's something about our miracle-oriented faith that's deeply challenged in what you see here. Because this says that the first steps of following Jesus are the steps of love. Walking in the footsteps of Jesus is first being arrested on the inside with the intense passion that your God has for the people that you encounter on a Monday, on a Tuesday, and on a Wednesday. Even <laughs> if they drive recklessly on the N1 South, they are loved by God. Hello? Uh, let's not go there. That's, uh, that's a very challenging thought. Now, the second big discovery that I've made about love. So if it is benefit, let's give a little bit more flesh to the idea of the benefit of the love of God. And I suppose that last week you guys may have come around to these thoughts, but I want to share them with you again because this has become very practical for me as a father. I have my own two children, and we've also taken care of Lucky and our lady, um, who's become a part of our family uh, because of the, the lady that works in our house for over 27 years now. And, um, and uh, I'm also a, a, a spiritual father. I lead people. I'm a leader. Uh, I lead strong leaders. And um, if, if we talk about loving my children and loving the leaders that God has given the responsibility for me to love, who are they for you? Who are the people that God has put in your life? That he, in a leadership sense, a, 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 an influence sense, God is saying, I want you to lead and influence these people. And if now I'm challenged to go and love them, then I want to understand the fullness of what, we, what is known by Christian Swartz as the colors of the three colors of love. But I think I would rather call them the three faces of love. So just follow my thinking. If God is love... And God reveals himself to us as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then I believe that each one of those gives us the, a different face of the love of God. Just, just by the way, as an example, if you think about H2O, which can be ice or it can be water or it can be steam. It's exactly the same thing, but we experience it in three radically different ways. Exactly the same. God is love. And we can experience him, uh, you'll see it on the next slide, as the comforter, as the Holy Spirit. The one who brings the grace of God to our lives. We also experience God through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And much of what Jesus did was he brought truth to our world. Uh, I mean the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus would say, the people have said A, B, and C, but I tell you. People have said, but I tell you. At the end of his life in John 17, he says, Father, I've given them your word because he is the word of God. He is the embodiment of the truth of who God is. And then the Father is the one who establishes justice. Now, those three words are the words in the book, Three Colors of Love. If you want to go and read about it, it's a brilliant book. Just talk to our leadership and we can, we can get you to that. But let's just work through them quickly. And I want to give you something practical 
practical to go, to go home with and to go and express the love of God. The first thing that my children need, the first thing that the people that I lead, that they need, is the grace of God through me. So if I say that I love, the first face of love is what John chapter 14 verse 16 describes as the comforter. And Jesus says, I'm going to pray. I'm going to go away, but my father will send another comforter and he will help you. He will be with you. He will nurture. He will grow and develop you. So that is the first face of love. And you can measure it. You can ask this question every single day. Have I comforted the leaders that I lead need comfort. They need me to give them a safe space where I say, I will take care of you. I will make room for you. I'll bring the grace of God to you and I will comfort. I will support you. I will be right next to you and the Holy Spirit will bring the love of God through me to you. Now, this is the one that's obvious because our minds easily go to comfort and care and nurture when we think about loving people. But here's the second thing that was a discovery that I had to make, and I'm praying that you will make it. It's impossible for me to love my children by just caring for them. Sometimes I have to sit them down and talk to them about lies that are growing in their minds. And this implies conflict, positive conflict. Many of us say that if you love somebody, you never go into conflict with them. It's always just keep the peace and so on. And, and I, I have a question. If my four-year-old child asks me for a knife or a loaded gun, for me in that moment to say no is the top level of the expression of the love of a father for my child. Sometimes love means that I withhold from you something that's got the capacity to hurt you and destroy you. And that's why John 1 verse 14 says that we've seen the glory of God revealed in Jesus, full of grace, we've already said that, and full of truth. I want you to think about the people that you love. Is there enough truth in that relationship? And by the way, if you just bring truth, do you know people like that? They're constantly challenging. They're actually so critical and negative, And they think that they're helping you because they don't lead with grace. It's full of grace first and then truth. The, uh, um, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3 and 4, and he says it this way. He says, we must, we must speak the truth, but we must wrap it in love. So you can, ex you can experience, if somebody is challenging you, you know whether they are doing it for your benefit or whether they are doing it to be right themselves. There's a huge difference there. And in every relationship on this planet, this, this scripture in 1 John uh, is, uh, uh, is saying that when you and I love people with grace, we love them with truth. We will know God, we will experience God, and he will become a practical part of our everyday living. So by the way, I, I do a lot of weddings as well. So those of you who are not married yet, I want to share a fantastic expectation with you that's going to happen that day when you get married. Let me tell you, that's the day when you are going to die. <laughs> yeah, especially the men in the room. <laughs> Because much of your life up until that point was focused on yourself and on living for myself. To have uh, us resurrected in a wedding ceremony 
means that the I must die. There's just no other way. And that's why the Bible says, husbands, you must love your wives, Ephesians chapter 5, as Christ loved the church. And here we go. And gave himself up for her. The young ladies who are not married yet, if he's not willing to die for you, then you deserve better. All right. Let that sink in. I have two daughters. That's how I work with the guys that they bring in. <laughs> okay. So love is grace and love is truth. Think about the last one because this has become very practical in my life as well. In Hebrews chapter 12, the author there says that as a father disciplines the son that he loves, so God disciplines us. And discipline there actually can have the meaning. You can think that it means that he wants to hurt you. But I've discovered that discipline, think about this, is controlled suffering. Controlled suffering. <laughs> it's controlled suffering. My children, when they were small, they always wanted to put their hands in the fire or they wanted to touch the warm stove. And I would take their hands and I would just dab it on the stove once so that they feel it. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I actually did take Yvonique. She was the adventurous one. And I brought her hand close to the heat. And she pulled away. And you could feel the tension in that little body. What are you doing, Dad? Why are you hurting me? I wasn't hurting her. It was controlled suffering. I was showing her the possible pain that could come if she, she never burned her hand ever on any warm thing because of the way that I loved her. And I believe that the father positions himself like a coach who's the one who's looking at what you are doing, who's leading and guiding and sometimes pulling back and say, let me, let me love you in this way. So what I've done today is I've brought two concepts, just two concepts. I've aligned them. I've said that the first word about the love of God is the word benefit. How about you and I dream in the following three environments? That's through you and me, in your home, in your workspace, and in this city, that the very first testimony of your life, of our lives, Doxado's story in the city, is in society that people will say, they, they are a people of love and we cannot believe how blessed we are to have them in our city. That your family would say, I cannot believe how blessed I am to have John in my family. That your parents say, I can't believe how blessed I am with this child. I can't believe in my workspace like Joseph in three environments, Pharaoh's house, in prison, uh, 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 and in Potiphar's house, sorry, in, the, in Pharaoh's palace, all three environments, they were extremely blessed by the fact that Joseph was there. I'm saying we cannot say that we love our family. We cannot say that we love our work. We cannot say that we love the city and this nation if the benefits of the kingdom of God are not coming to your family, amen, and not coming to your workplace and not coming... That's the very first departure point. And then the second thing that I've said today is a little bit of the detail of that benefit is number one, to bring God's grace and his care and his nurture. Number two, to bring his truth. In our workspaces, we sometimes have to put our foot down and to say this is not acceptable. 
And we need to bring, bring discipline and coaching. Let me rather leave the theory of that and encourage you for the next couple of minutes to take every relationship that you have, just think about them for a minute. Would you go in your mind through the names and the faces of the people who are critical to you at this point in your life? Because we're going to pray now and say, Lord, will you position me as an instrument of love in their lives? And maybe you want to go, number two, to your responsibilities. Every responsibility that you have. We say, Father, I want to love you in, in every one of those responsibilities. And I want to bring glory to my God who is love. Let's all stand on our feet, please. And the worship team can come and prepare to lead us. Heavenly Father, if I look across this room, beautiful people, beautiful faces. And I see, I see, Lord, the potential, the influence, the power that's represented in every person here. But I also see the danger that if our lives are not rooted and grounded in your love, then the beauty and the power can destroy us. And that's why I'm praying, Father, that every individual here, from this moment on, this very moment today, will experience how you become the author of their lives, the author, the beginning, how they are born of God. And now, Lord, we look around us and we think of the names, the names in my family, the names in my friendship circle, the people that I lead and work with some of the names in, in my city that I engage with Father I pray for those moments that I encounter them that the love of God will begin to saturate the interaction that I have with people that's what you are calling us to just as I have loved you so you now go and love people Lord if they are any reasons here why people are holding back if there may be hurt there may be something in our past that's holding us back will you come and release the floodgates of heaven as you promised through Romans 5 verse 5 where you said that the love of God will be poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that you've given us Holy Spirit will you come and restore will you wash our hearts clean so that that fresh fountain of the love of God can overflow from the inside out. I also pray for us as a faith community for Hatfield, Doxadeo, Lord, Lord Jesus. May everybody that we encounter as a group of people, may they experience the fullness of the benefit that your kingdom wants to bring to our world. Thank you for this moment, Lord. And as we sing this song, as we continue to declare your love, and as we worship, Father, may we be connected to you this